Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. The conference operator. Welcome to the OpenSex Corporation first quarter fiscal 2021 conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, you may press star then one on your touchstone phone. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. I would line like to turn the conference over to Mr. Harry Blount, Senior Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Operator, and good afternoon, everyone. On the call today is OpenTech's Chief Executive Officer and Chief Technology Officer, Mark J. Berenshave, and our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Madhu Raganathan. We have some prepared remarks, which will be followed by a question and answer session. This call will last approximately 60 minutes with a replay available shortly thereafter. I would like to take a moment and direct investors to the investor relations section of our website, investors.opentext.com, where we have posted our consolidated investor presentation that will supplement our prepared remarks today. The presentation includes information and financial specific to our quarterly results, Notably, our updated quarterly factors on page 9, as well as strategic overview. Please also note the following update on our Investor Day. We are moving our previously announced Investor Day from next week to early next year. We just provided a tremendous amount of new information at OpenText World, and we have our earnings call today, and NFUSE is just around the corner. We will also be attending several investor conferences in the coming weeks. I'm pleased to announce that OpenText Management will be participating at the following upcoming virtual conferences. TD's Canadian Technology Conference on November 16th, RBC's Global Technology, Internet, Media, and Telecom Conference on November 17th, Needham's Data Analytics and Infrastructure Software Conference on November 18th, NASDAQ's Investor Conference on December 1st, Credit Suisse's Technology Technology Conference on December 3rd, Raymond James Technology Conference on December 8th, and Barclays Global Technology Media and Telecom Conference on December 10th. We look forward to virtually meeting with investors in the coming days and weeks. And now I will proceed with the reading of our Safe Harbor Statement. Please note that during the course of this conference call, we may make statements relating to our future performance of OpenText that contain forward-looking information. While these forward-looking statements represent our current judgment, actual results could differ materially from a conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking statements made today. Certain material factors and assumptions were applied in drawing any such statement. Additional information about the material factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from a conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking information, as well as risk factors, including relation to the current global pandemic that may project future performance results to OpenText 
are contained in Open Text Recent Forms 10-K and 10-Q, as well as in our press release that was distributed earlier this afternoon, which may be found on our website. We undertake no obligation to update these forward-looking statements unless required to do so by law. In addition, our conference call may include discussions of certain non-GAAP financial measures, reconciliations of any non-GAAP financial measures to their most direct, comparable GAAP measures may be found within our public filings and other materials which are available on our website. And with that, I'm pleased to hand the call over to Mark. Thank you, Harry. Uh, good afternoon to everyone, and thank you for joining today's call. I want to continue the conversation we started at Open Text World where we gathered over 7,500 information management professionals focused on the future of business and work. COVID-19 has changed everything from the way we work to the way we live to the way we conduct business. There'll be many structural and long-lasting changes due to the change in human behaviors, including work from anywhere, direct to consumer commerce, contactless experiences and payments, extreme customer experience expectations, and new supply chains. Before the pandemic, Industry 4.0 was just getting started, and now it's in full acceleration. I call this the new equilibrium, and it's driving the fastest, deepest, most consequential technology disruption in the history of the world, and thus creating tremendous opportunity. Businesses are accelerating their digital capabilities and are placing greater emphasis on time to value, all things cloud, customer experience, and edge computing. And they're all looking to proven, trusted, global partners, such as OpenText, to help them navigate these seminal times. This new equilibrium has also changed OpenText, as I chronicle that OpenText world. Uh, you can clearly see how we've become even more digital and extended our lead in the cloud. Since the beginning of the pandemic in the calendar year, we've conducted over 10 million team meetings and chats processed over 30, 320 million emails through support and as a company. Uh, we, are, uh, we are managing 250 million secure endpoints, an estimated 100 million end users, 11 million cloud subscribers, 75,000 enterprise, enterprise customers, and over 2,000 private cloud customers. So that's been our vision at OpenText to build organically and through M&A the most comprehensive information management cloud platform for the future. And with the introduction of our new architecture, cloud editions, running in the open text cloud and other clouds, we have never been better positioned to deliver for our customers in the new equilibrium. We're delivering massive new capabilities every 90 days. We already have over 1,000 customers on cloud editions. And by cloud editions 21.4, just one year away, our customers will never have to upgrade again. I know I've said this in the past, but let me repeat it as it is so important. 10 years ago, license was 26% of our business. In Q1, it was 9%. We have de-risked the business over time. 10 years ago, we had zero cloud revenues. Now it's our largest revenue line 341 million in Q1, or 42% of our revenue, and it is now the first revenue line on our income statement. We do speak more about this in a couple moments. Our customer support business continues to expand, 
and customers leverage our updates and new security features, both in the cloud and off-cloud. We had a 94% renewal rate in Q1 for our customer support business. Our annual recurring revenues were 83% in the quarter, and we became a cloud company while expanding adjusted EBITDA to an upper quartile, 42.6% within the quarter. I said many years ago, we were not born cloud, but we are reborn cloud, and we would create the new open text at higher margins and sustained efficiencies, and we did. And soon, again, with Cloud Editions 21.4, customers will never have to upgrade again. Our Cloud Editions are well aligned to the digital needs of our customers. The OpenText Content Cloud is benefiting from, from businesses that need cloud-based information platforms to seamlessly and securely support content management, process management, collaboration, applications, and new capabilities like eSignature. The OpenText Experience cloud business is benefiting from the trends to all things contactless, the direct-to-consumer explosion, and all the associated technologies that enable omni-channel and social commerce. The OpenText Security and Protection Cloud, our cyber resilience business, is benefiting from the work from anywhere and the integration of corporate and home networks. The need to protect devices everywhere and anywhere is growing in importance and will only become more profound as 5G bandwidth becomes ubiquitous and the connections to human and machine-based devices explode. The OpenText Business Network Cloud, our business network is benefiting from the acceleration to digital as companies become more mobile and regionalized. If a country can't get raw materials to build a product, they're going to move their supply chain. And our new OpenText Developer Cloud, API-driven, driving the API economy. Embedding OpenText information management into the next generation of customer and SaaS applications is a key long-term strategy for us. OpenText is already seeing the benefit of the new equilibrium as businesses accelerate owning their digital capabilities. Information management time has come, and we are just not ready. Rather, we are leading in the cloud and our domain leadership positions us, um, our domain leadership positions have never been stronger, and our Q1 results reflect that. It was the best Q1 and strongest start to a fiscal year in the history of our company, and another record high for our key businesses of cloud and customer support, and a record high for our annual recurring revenues. For the quarter, and on a year-over-year -year basis, total revenue of $804 million, up 15%, cloud revenue of $341 million, up 44%, customer support of $329 million, up 5%, ARR of $670 million, up 22%, and at, 30, and, and at 83% of total revenue, the highest in dollars and percent in our history, demonstrating the predictability of our business. Adjusted EBITDA of $342 million, or 42.6% adjusted EBITDA margin, also the highest in our history. The company has never been um, this productive and efficient, uh, and we've gained efficiencies over the last few quarters. And free cash flows of $219 million, up 84%, and 24% of revenue. That's Q1 in our history. By the end of the quarter, our business network volumes had returned to pre-COVID-19 levels, except for those industries still affected like hotels, hospitality, airlines, 
and a few others. We had many notable customer wins in Q1 that included, included Sephora, the global, re, uh, the global retail provider of personal care and beauty products, WM Morrison, one of the largest supermarket chains in the UK, Pacific Gas and Electric, one of the largest electric utilities in the United States, Southern California Edison, one of the largest electric utilities in the United States, Hydro-Quebec, one of the largest electric utilities in Canada, On Semiconductor, Fresh Direct, Heritage Lab Express, the California Department of Managed Healthcare, the UK Department of Works and Pensions, and Texas A&M, a public research university in College Station, Texas. I'm so proud of my colleagues for their focus and commitment to our customers. At the beginning of COVID-19, we took several preemptive actions given the historic nature of volatility the world was about to face. Six months later, our business is operating stronger and more efficient than before the start of the pandemic due to our business leaders, great execution, and accelerated digital automation. You can see in our improved operations and results, the predictability that ARR brings to our business model, the strength of our margins and cash flow, and our forward confidence in continuous improvements. Given our new operating efficiency and confidence in the road ahead, we are announcing a variety of key actions today. We were paid the $600 million drawn on our revolver, and there are no outstanding balances. We are restoring all salaries and benefits. We have uh, opened over 400 new positions in innovation and sales. We are investing in products and sales, and we look to strategically hire the best global talent. Two years ago, our R&D investment was approximately $300 million per year. This fiscal year, R&D investment will exceed $400 million a year. We're also announcing today that we're increasing our quarterly dividend by 15% to 20.8 cents per share from 17.46 cents per share for holders of record December 4th, 2020, with a payment date of December 22nd, 2020, as approved by our board of directors. We continue to target 20% to trailing 12-month free cash flow for our dividend program. And we have increased our dividend rate 15% every year since its inception, as we have increased cash flows. With this quarterly dividend, we will have returned over $1 billion in cash to our shareholders since 2013. We're also returning to our standard cadence of reviewing our dividend rate at the end of each fiscal year. And today, we announced a new share repurchase plan of up to $350 million over the next 12 months. The announced repurchase plan is additive to our returns-based capital allocation strategy intended to complement from time to time our ongoing M&A activity and dividend program. I want to spend some time today on our unique total growth strategy of retain, grow, and acquire. On retain, we had another great quarter with our customer support renewal rates at 94% and margins of 91%. Our enterprise cloud renewal rates remain strong in the mid-90s. With our digital zone and new cloud platforms, we see opportunity to improve the quality of our customer experience even more by automating portions of the renewal process, enabling our CS personnel to spend more time with customers on cross-sell and upsell. Again, with CE21.4, all new updates, features, and facets will be automatically immediately available to all customers. On Grow, 
Over the last few quarters, we've made significant investments in our go-to-market. Let me highlight uh, some key aspects of this. Having five domain clouds for many point products simplifies our customer messaging and our go-to-market friction. We can accelerate customer time to value through our managed services. We are accelerating our ongoing shift towards vertically focused applications and solution-oriented selling, such as public security, legal, cyber, and the healthcare industry. We remain on track to double our enterprise sales coverage of the global 10,000 within three years. We continue to make great progress on cross-sell and upsell initiatives, specifically on our SMBC channel, uh, has begun to successfully sell Carbonite, WebRoot, and Hightail products. On the enterprise side, we're seeing success cross-selling Carbonite, WebRoot security offerings and Carbonite, and Carbonite Migrate and high availability products. Finally, we are excited about the growing opportunities with partners. On the enterprise side, we have expanded relationships with Google, Microsoft, AWS, Salesforce, AT&T, SAP, and others. On the SMB side of our business, we expect to grow our partners through increased sales focus, additional product offerings, and the completion of the integration of the Carbonite and WebRoot channels. With our adjusted EBITDA above 40%, we are accelerating our investments in products and sales as we said we would by expanding R&D investment dollars and accelerating our sales coverage and capacity, both for the global 10,000 and SMBs. On Acquire, as it relates to M&A, we remain patient, disciplined, value-based buyers with ROIC and cash flow as key criteria, and we continue to build strong and actionable pipelines. I'm pleased to say that our Carbonite integration is ahead of schedule, and we achieved our financial integration goals in 10 months. We acquired Carbonite just last December, and we increased our cloud revenue, increased our ARR, increased our cloud gross margins, and improved our cash conversion cycle. Carbonite continues to grow in its core market, and starting this fiscal year, we expect to begin seeing meaningful revenue synergies from cross-selling Carbonite products into our install base of enterprise customers and selected OpenText products through Carbonite's SMBC channel. Carbonite is a great example of our M&A strategy, a growth asset that gave us strong entry and presence and cyber resilience in the SMB channel. It met our disciplined value-based criteria while offering significant opportunity to create revenue synergies. Our balance sheet is strong at 1.8 times leverage Cash and cash flows are strong. We have capital to deploy, and we will deploy capital as and when the right opportunity arises in our disciplined manner. Our total growth strategy of retain, grow, and acquire is unique, massively scalable, and delivering returns. On our financial outlook, we do will cover the details of our financial outlook for Q2 and fiscal 2021 and our three-year aspirations. But let me highlight what you will hear. An improved demand outlook and confidence in our operating model and future cash flows. Let me summarize. OpenText is firing on all cylinders. Our ARR target model uh, for fiscal 21 is 81% to 83%. Growth in strategic areas such as cloud and customer support and ARR upper quartile margins of 42.6% adjusted EBITDA, 
um, already incorporating increased R&D and sales investments, new efficiencies and a high conversion ratio from EBITDA to cash flow, a healthy balance sheet at 1.x times leverage. Uh, on M&A, accelerated time to returns will carbonize on the open text model sooner than expected. Most companies take two to three years to get these type of benefits. We've accelerated it down to 10 months, and the company is ready for the next set of opportunities. We have a return-based capital allocation approach with increasing our dividend by 15% and initiating a share repurchase program up to $350 million over the next 12 months. And lastly, a new product platform, Cloud Editions, that is aligned to the needs of our customers. We are not waiting to return to normal. I learned that in my personal cancer journey. This is the new normal, and we are going on the offense. We are stronger today than we were a year ago. On behalf of OpenText, I'd like to thank our shareholders, loyal customers, partners, and 14,000-plus dedicated employees for all contributing to our success. And I am so proud of the resilience and durability that continues to be demonstrated. Finally, a big thank you to all the nurses, doctors, frontline responders, healthcare workers, those in the food industry, those in the delivery industry, those working in data centers and in the power grid and distribution. Thank you for all that you do and keeping the world running. It's my pleasure to turn the call over to Madhu Raghunathan, OpenTech's Chief Financial Officer. Madhu? Thank you, Mark. And thank you all for joining us today. We had a strong first quarter of fiscal 21. Our performance during the global pandemic reflects the underlying resilience and agility of our operating framework. I will speak to Q1, Q2, our quarterly factors, our fiscal 21 target model, and our long-term aspirations as outlined in our Q1 investor presentation that is posted on our IR website today. I would also like to highlight that we have changed the order of revenue lines. Cloud is now first, customer support second, and license third, followed by professional services. We see this as a permanent shift in our revenue disclosures, reflecting the strength of annual recurring revenue growth led by cloud and customer support. All references will be in millions of USD and compared to the same period in the prior fiscal year. So let me start with revenues and earnings. Total revenues for the quarter were 804, up 15.4% or up 14.5% on a constant currency basis, including a strong contribution from Carbonite. There was a favorable effects impact to revenue of 6 million. The geographical split of revenues, of total revenues in the quarter, was America 63%, EMEA 28%, and Asia Pacific 9%. Annual recurring revenues for the quarter were 670.4, up 22% or up 21.4% on a constant currency basis. As a percent of total revenue, ARR was 83% for the quarter, up from 79% in the first quarter of fiscal 20. Here, I would like to note that ARR was positive organic growth during the quarter on a reported basis. Cloud revenues are particularly strong at 341, up 43.7%, or up 43.4% on a constant currency basis. This growth was driven by a strong contribution from Carbonite, and exiting our fourth quarter, a return to pre-COVID transaction volume in our business network. Our cloud, our enterprise cloud renewal rate in the quarter remains in the mid-90s. 
Customer support revenues at 329.4, up 5.5%, or up 4.8% on a constant currency basis. Our customer support renewal rate for Q1 was 94%, reflecting continued strong efforts of our teams to drive renewals and support our rich install base. Our license revenues are 68.5, down 12%, or down 13.8% on a constant currency basis. Our professional services revenues are 65.1, down 6.2%, or down 8.5% on a constant currency basis. Gap net income was 103.4, up 38.9%, primarily driven by higher revenue achievement and the savings of the preemptive measures introduced in the third quarter of fiscal 20. Our adjusted net income was 241.9, up 39.4%, or up 36.2% on a constant currency basis. Gap earnings per share diluted was 38 cents, up from 27 cents. Our non-gap earnings per share diluted was 89 cents, up 25 cents from 64 cents, and up 23 cents on a constant currency basis. And now turning to margins, gap gross margin for the quarter was 69%, up 180 basis points. Adjusted gross margin was 76.5%, up 340 basis points. Also on an adjusted basis, cloud margin was 67.2%, up from 57.1%, driven by continued improvements in our cloud service delivery and a strong contribution from Carbonite. Our customer support margin was 91.3%, up from 90.7%, reflecting continued strong renewal performance. The license margin was 96.4%, down to 97%, primarily due to lower license revenue. A professional services margin was 29.2%, up from 22.1%, and reflects the benefits we see from lower travel, while effectively delivering our solutions on a digital and remote basis. Adjusted EBITDA was 342.3 million this quarter, up 34.7% or up 32.1% on a constant currency basis. This represents a record 42.6% margin, up from 36.5% of the same quarter last year and higher than our fiscal 21 target model range of 37 to 38%. Now, turning to cash flows, it was excellent performance, with operating cash flows of 233.9 for the quarter, up 70.2%, and free cash flows of 218.6, up 84%. DSO was 44 days compared to 54 days in Q1 fiscal 20. The year-over-year -year reduction of 10 days is a real testament to our digital business services organization formed about a year ago that includes receivables, collections, and other key financial operations, as well as strong contribution in the quarter from the integration of Carbonite. From a balance sheet perspective, we ended the quarter with approximately $1.8 in cash, given our strong cash flow performance. Our consolidated net leverage ratio is 1.82 times, an improvement from 2.04 times last quarter. And subsequently in October, we repaid the $600 million that was previously drawn on the revolver, and we now have fully available $750 million revolver line of credit. As Mark noted, our strong balance sheet provides us the flexibility to navigate changing macro scenarios and provides ample opportunity to generate substantial long-term value for our shareholders through growth, dividends, and now, as well as what Mark noted, potentially shared buybacks from time to time through our announced repurchase plan as a complement to our capital allocation strategy. On Carbonite, 
Arbanite delivered another strong quarter of results with strong ARR, cloud margins, adjusted EBITDA, and working capital. Carbonite operations are already tracking to the open text operating model as of September 30th, 2020. We achieved our financial integration sooner than planned. What we have looking ahead relates to systems and applications integration. While we will continue to talk about the business, this will be my final integration update of the acquisition itself. A big shout out to the Carbonite of the integration team. So, so let's turn to total growth, target models, and quarterly factors, all available on our investor website. First and foremost, we, we view our business as annual, and quarters will vary. Long-term value is created from sustained annual performance, and 90-day cycles are too short to measure. We are in a volatile macro environment due to health, financial, and social crisis related to the resurgence of global COVID cases and the U.S. election. We continue to see differing impacts industry by industry and geography by geography. While we remain watchful of the macro environment, we continue to perform well on our business model. Growth in cloud, growth in products and innovation, and our strong cash flows enable us to continue to invest in go-to-market products and digital projects. So now, let, so now let me turn to our full year fiscal 21 total growth strategy. Compared to a quarter ago, our outlook for fiscal 21 has improved. We now expect mid-double-digit growth on cloud revenue compared to our previous target of low double digits. Low single-digit growth on customer support revenue compared to constant. High single-digit growth on annual recurring revenue compared to mid-single digits. No change in our license and professional service revenue targets, which we see declining and consistent with the broader industry trends, and also as cloud adoption accelerates. So with that, total revenue moves from constant to constant to low single digit growth in fiscal 21. New M&A opportunities remain additive to our model. Our assumptions do not include an FX impact in the second half of fiscal 21. On our fiscal 21 target model, we are pleased to share the following revenue target changes from a quarter ago. Annual recurring revenue range moves up from 80 to 82% of total revenues to 81 to 83%. Our license moves down from 10 to 13% of revenues to 9 to 12% of revenues. On gross margins, cloud is maintained at 63 to 65%, and customer support at 89 to 91%. Our license at 96 to 98%, and professional service margin is expected to move up to 20 to 22%, from 18 to 20%, as we continue to see benefits of remote deliveries and less travel. Gross margins overall remains at 74 to 76%, and our full year adjusted EBITDA expectations remain at 37 to 38% as we continue to invest in the business. Our fiscal 21 target model fully reflects the savings from previously announced restructuring, the compensation restorations Mark referred to in his commentary, and our fiscal 21 hiring plan. So coming to our immediate quarter, Q2, I would like to highlight the following quarterly factors. We expect Q2 total revenue to be constant versus Q1 with a favorable FX impact up to 3 million. Our FX is based on current exchange rates, but note that currency volatility appears higher than normal. Annual recurring revenue is expected to remain constant in Q2 compared to Q1. Our adjusted EBITDA dollars are expected to be to decline low single digits in Q2 compared to Q1. As shared previously, we remain an annually focused business while our quarters will vary. 
Our long-term aspirations, our long-term aspirations remain unchanged, targeting adjusted EBITDA aspirations of 38 to 40 percent, and free cash flow of 900 million to 1 billion for fiscal 23, with a plan to reinvest any margin gains above 40 percent into additional growth initiatives. For a tax update, the IRS matter is still in the appeals phase, and our resolve remains strong as we continue to vigorously defend our position. So in summary, a special thank you to the entire Open Text community for your incredible efforts. Your contributions demonstrated continued resilience, leading the way in digital working, high productivity, and a laser focus on results. And thank you to our shareholders, whose trust and confidence we greatly value. And wishing you all continued safety and good health. I would now like to open the call for your questions. Operator? Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and 1 on their touchstone telephone to join the question queue. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please ensure you lift the handset before pressing any keys. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and 2. Anyone who has a question may press star and 1 at this time. The first question comes from Ramo Lenschow from Barclays. Please go ahead. Hey guys, this is Frank on for RIMO. Congrats on another great quarter and thanks for taking my question. So Cloud is clearly very strong again. Uh, would you be able to dig a little bit more deeper, uh, provide a little bit more color on how some of those recent partnerships with some of the big cloud players like Google um, from this year are feeding into uh, the cloud side of the business and how we could expect those relationships going forward? Yeah, Mark here. Thanks for the, um, uh, for the question. The, the strength of our, our cloud quarter is certainly driven by some of the return of our business volumes and um, the um, accelerated uh, uh, needs of our customers of time, uh, accelerated time to value. And the uh, greatest time to value is to um, deploy our capabilities in our cloud or, or a partner's cloud. And um, as we look over the, the coming quarters and, and, and next few years, um, you know, we expect the partnerships to, to really contribute to that uh, 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 cloud momentum. Uh, you know, we've taken the approach with cloud additions that uh, our solutions will operate uh, across the hyperscalers, uh, Google, uh, uh, AWS, uh, as well as Azure, and uh, we continue to stay committed to customer choice. Well, where customers would like to place uh, the workload. Uh, we saw some wins uh, for sure together with um, uh, our cloud partners, and, um, uh, but the, uh, the strength of the cloud was primarily driven uh, uh, both by Carbonite return to business volumes and uh, an accelerated uh, time to value from our uh, enterprise customers. Great. Thanks, Mark. Congrats again. Yeah, thank you. The next question comes from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Just on the cloud, um, wondering if you can share a little bit more about Carbonite and, and maybe what the Carbonite contribution was in the quarter. Um, Madhu, are we uh, speaking to the precise uh, Carbonite contribution in the quarter? Um, no, we're not, Mark. 
So, uh, uh, Stephanie, there's no doubt that Carbonite had a, a significant and important contribution. Uh, the business is, is operating uh, very well, um, both in the, um, you know, we, uh, we, uh, we first go to RMMs who then sell to SMBs. We have a bit of our business direct to SMBs, and we have our prosumer and consumer business that um, really came back from uh, the early part of the um, um, start of the pandemic. We um, are also well underway of integrating the Carbonite and WebRoot channels, which were not integrated when we acquired the business. And uh, we've um, uh, brought into the Carbonite channel uh, new open tech solutions to sell as well. And work from home, is it's permanently changed, right, the hybrid uh, work model. So um, it certainly contributed uh, on the revenue side in the quarter. And you look at our adjusted EBITDA, 42.6%. Uh, our you know, relentless focus on, on fast, you know, rapid integration, taking the costs out where we think we, uh, we should, integration of the cloud teams, integration of, of, uh, of engineering teams, uh, Carbonite contributed as well uh, to such uh, stellar adjusted EBITDA. And in fact, so greatly, we're already on the financial, uh, financial model. Great. Um, and then on capital allocation, uh, you've mentioned a new MCIB here. Just wondering how you kind of think about capital allocation, share purchases, uh, maybe versus other uses of capital here. Yeah, very, very good. Well, I'll just start with um, the, uh, the large narrative on, you know, we, you know, companies talk about they're going to exit the pandemic stronger than they came into it. Um, we're at a new operating level efficiency within the business. Um, and, and it's reflected uh, in um, uh, the efficiency, our processes, the new digital automation we're running internally, and it's translated into a uh, higher level of adjusted EBITDA, and our conversion ratio from EBITDA to free cash flow is enormously uh, high, given our uh, effective uh, tax structures and low CapEx deployment. So we have, we have great confidence and the efficiency of the business and future cash flows. Uh, with that in mind, um, that led us to um, uh, getting back to our, our evaluation of our dividend program. Uh, I know we, um, uh, 90 days ago, we didn't raise the dividend sort of on our annual cadence. Uh, so at this point, with that confidence, we paid back our revolver, we increased our dividend rate back to, back to where we were, if you will. And in looking at that strength of the cash flows, we thought we'd add an additional program uh, which was, uh, which is the uh, NCIB, as you know. So we see it as an additional tool for us um, uh, going forward. Great. Thanks, and congrats in the quarter. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you, Stephanie. The next question comes from Paul Steed from Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Hey, evening. Mark, maybe talk a little bit just with the shift to the cloud uh, happening fairly hard in this quarter. As we think about M&A in the future for open text, how has your willingness to maybe take on legacy assets that you previously would have and migrated, has that appetite maybe changed or is there maybe greater confidence? And then I've got one quick clarification. Yeah, sure thing. Um, our M&A strategy remains unchanged. We, um, it, it is the... Um, uh, the great, uh, one of the greatest levers we have to 
um, adding value in the business, conjunctive with organic growth. Um, but our philosophy of M&A remains the same. And within M&A, it's really recurring revenues that we focus on. Uh, so we'll look for businesses that have high recurring revenues, um, and, um, and, and recurring revenues are both cloud and support businesses, or as I like to call them, update businesses. So it's, um, it's not exclusively cloud. It's much wider than that. It's really recurring, uh, re uh, recurring revenues. That, that's our focus. Paul, you have a clarification question? Yeah, that's great. Um, so then just the other question, I think you've alluded to it. Should we be thinking, and I, I don't know if you've set, I don't remember a policy, but around net leverage ratio, should we be hmm. thinking that you're going to force back deployment of all the cash flow? Obviously, you listed the dividend as you just enumerated, but more importantly about the return of capital through the share repurchase. Should people think that that lever, the floor is maybe one and a half, or, or no, there isn't a floor, and you're going to leave yourself flexible? Thanks. Um, uh, well, let me uh, let me jump in, and I'll hand the mic to Madhu as well. We're going to remain flexible. Uh, I'll talk about the ceiling first, <laughs> and uh, then maybe the floor. Uh, on, on the ceiling side, uh, nothing's changed our view that we like to operate around uh, three uh, three times leverage. We uh, I, um, as I've said um, uh, many times and have chronicled through the years, I think it's very simply, um, if the market turns really bad for liquidity, which it hasn't, um, uh, I'd like to be able to pay back our debt in three years, therefore the 3x ratio. We're not bashful about going over it in the short term, um, as we uh, have done uh, twice, uh, given our commitment uh, <laughs> and disciplined operations to bring it well, well under. Um, again, the buyback is an additive tool. Doesn't change our M&A strategy. In fact, our our, our pipeline and the diligence activities are up. We see it as an additive tool, uh, given the uh, the strength of our of our cash flows. Uh, we've always targeted 20% of trailing. For, uh, used to be OCF, but now uh, FCF. Um, uh, but we target 20, uh, trailing 12 months, 20% uh, of free cash flows. Uh, to return as dividend gives us all the strategic opportunities we need. Um, uh, we now have the extra tool uh, and stand-up program on, on buyback. And M&A remains the uh, top ROIC generator for us in uh, deploying capital. And we expect to get deals done um, uh, uh, this year, uh, this uh, fiscal year. But do anything you'd like to, to add to that? Uh, yes, sure thing, Mark. Thanks. Uh, so, Paul, when you think about apples to apples, right, when you ask about the floor, uh, during our fiscal 20, we were about 1.48 net leverage, when when you know, all the way slightly above two with carbonite, and given the strength of the cash flow, we were able to bring it back down to, you know, to, you know, 1.82. So I would really think about it that way, going above with the ceiling Mark just described. And again, the cash flow is going to allow us to have that band in the mid ones to slightly above two if need be. Perfect. Thanks. The next question comes from Richard T from National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Mark, I think you said you had a thousand customers today on Cloud Edition. Um, would you say the average number of products taken up by those customers to be more than those that are not on Cloud Edition? Yeah, uh, Richard, interesting question. I think it's slightly above the uh, off-cloud average. And 
part of our opportunity is really getting to a next generation cross-sell and upsell and really focusing that in the cloud. Because with more integration and our efficiencies, and as we march towards 21.4 where customers will never have to update again, we can turn on more solutions for customers at very, I mean, minimal expense running in the cloud and thus expose customers to, uh, to, to more features and more modules and thus reduce friction. Uh, so um, I'd say we're slightly up on kind of the average module usage in cloud versus off cloud. And uh, this is a strength we're gonna sail right into and leverage for cross-selling in the coming years of sort of pre-installing, pre-turning on additional modules for customer access. Yeah, I guess especially with uh, CE 21.4, it seems like there is a probably big opportunity for you to accelerate organic growth as the friction is reduced here. Is it fair to say that you know, that's something that we should think about here in terms of modeling going forward, in terms of looking at organic growth and what that can mean to it? Um, I, I don't mean to do this, but I'm going to hand up my modeling questions to Madhu. Yeah, so Richard, thanks for the question. Um, as Mark said, directionally, absolutely. From a modeling perspective, we have shared all our perspectives. So I would, I would really use the boundaries and parameters we've shared from, from, a, from a modeling perspective. But certainly opportunities in the future is really exciting. Okay. And then uh, maybe I sort of misheard, but I think the way you talked about uh, your sales cycle uh, even you know, with this health backdrop, that thing has sort of kind of gone back to the normal with the exception of some of those verticals you pointed out. That seems different from some of the things that we've heard from other sort of enterprise companies uh, that we cover. Um, but I just want to make sure that, um, you know, I, I sort of uh, characterize what you said correctly. Yeah, Richard, so just to maybe recap, and it's um, in our uh, investor presentation as well, and let me just see if I can quickly get to the page number, which is page seven, uh, fiscal year 21 open text total growth strategy, where we um, have our uh, revenue lines and, and, and what the expected uh, growth rates are for the year. Um, we have certainly seen our business network volumes return to pre-COVID levels, except for some of the um, well-highlighted industries that uh, still haven't recovered, hotels, hospitality, airlines, and, uh, and a few others. Uh, so we're not back to full revenues. Um, uh, we're back to pre-COVID levels, except for those industries. Um, we, we are um, um, uh, increasing our, uh, our outlook for the year on cloud, as we do highlight it from low double digit to mid double digit, customer support from constant to low single digit, AR from mid single digit to high single digit, but we're also still looking at cloud and PS at the same levels we talked about last quarter, uh, which is uh, we're not changing the outlook on license and PS, uh, which we expect to decline this year. So the transactional side of the business uh, hasn't returned to pre-COVID levels, but uh, the vast majority of our business network has, and, um, and that's translated into a, um, an updated and um, um, increased outlook for the year among other things.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.